Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the blazing ring of fire. Yeah, that's sort of what it feels like. Two hurricanes in the Gulf. We just, my, my, we're being attacked. We are beset on every hand. And and then did you hear the wonderful news? We got an asteroid hurtling toward Earth. It's just a great year. A great year. But good morning, Lou, Cindy, Valerie, Nathan. Thank you for being a part of this and being a part of our morning devotion crowd and just say, you know what? Life may get crazy, but we can gather together Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. and just see some good things happen in our midst. So thank you for being here. Carolyn, Christy, Virginia, Bill, Barbara, thank you. Good morning to one and all. We're a group of people, if you're new to this, that just decided we can do life better together. Uh, Just a few minutes in the morning. And seek after the face of God, encourage one another, and thank you for being a part of this. As you join in with us, and many join in later in the broadcast, later during the day, just join us if it resonates within you, if it if it just does something to your heart, share it with someone, follow the page, like the page, and let's just see what God can do. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Let me just start this today. I, I'll never forget an old story, an old story that a an elder preacher told me of growing up, growing up in uh, the Great Depression era. And he told me that uh, how men and women would spend the days in the fields and during revival services and everything at night, they would rush back to the house, grab a bite to eat, many times go straight into the revival services without having much time to shower, change clothes, get presentable before going to church. And the preacher told me that as a kid, he would watch his parents and other kids' parents, that they would stop at the church house door and they would begin to shake the dust from their garments. That before they worship, they just knew they had to shake the dust of the field off of them. Jesus said the field is the world, and it just seems to me that, and I think that's one reason I enjoy morning devotions, is that I wake up, it's fresh, it's new, it's a brand new day, and there's not a lot of dust of the field that is accumulated all over me that I need to shake off, that I need to get out of my heart and mind before I enter into the presence of God. But there are times There are times during the day I've just got to shake the dust of the world off. The Puritans actually had an expression for that. They called it heart work, heart work. That's what they called it. The work preceding worship, the deliberate cleansing of one's heart and one mind, one's mind to prepare for the word of God, to prepare for the presence of God, to just shake the dust of the field off. And here we are in morning devotion, Geraldine and Glenn and Marion and Tessie and Faye. Hey, Tess, I'm telling you, this is the day we just shake the dust of the field off 
and say, you know what? God's going to do something special in this morning devotion. So if you woke up early this morning, if you were just, you were frightened, you were worried, you were perplexed about something, shake the dust of the field off and prepare your heart for what God has. It was in the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards, who was this student of revival, and his classic work is called Religious Affections. His premise was this, without holy affections, there can be no true worship, no true religion. Holy affection is the fire of our heart that will cleanse our heart and mind, dust off our hearts and to prepare us for what God is doing. That's why so often the Great Awakenings, you find people uh, gathering at churches on Saturday night to pray before Sunday morning. They were getting their hearts ready. They were trying to get a week of the world out of their lives where they could enter into the presence of God. As George Swinnick wrote of those days back then, he said, if you leave your heart with God on Saturday night, you will find him on Sunday morning. Oh, amen, amen. There just should be something inside of us that shakes off the dust. I don't know why I keep saying that. Esau was an earthy man, a man devoted to the world. Uh, and all that is in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And it just seems that lust rhymes with dust and it's indicative of what we fight each time we enter in the presence of God. We got to get rid of the desires of the flesh to shake off the dust, to, to permit new desires, godly desires, godly fires to form in our heart. So the dust of the field speaks of the desires of the human heart and fierce desires, though they may be desires like fire that cannot be ignored. It's an old analogy. It's an old story. How many of you like a story? I know you do. I know you love stories. It's an old story. It's been lived again and again and again and told again and again. And it involves a ring. Plato told the story of a mystical ring that brought invisibility. And when a shepherd found it, he seduced a queen, took over a kingdom. And, and it was his premise that somehow given the time, opportunity and anonymity that our true hearts would be revealed. The ring would reveal the blazing fire inside of our lives. And that's the premise behind Wagner's ring cycle. It took him 26 years to write four massive operas, all based on an ancient German legend of a so-called ring of power. And with that ring, one could rule the world. And then, of course, there's Tolkien's massive work on the Lord of the Rings. And the ring was the object of the quest. And for with whoever possessed the ring could slow down time, be rendered internal, eternal, invisible, and, of course, achieve great power. The ring, then, speaks of the fires and the desires within our own heart. I want to ask you today, what fire burns brightest within you? What is that desire, that affection that burns brightest? Within us is a blazing ring of fire, a, gush, a gushing volcano of magma and lava. Desires for good, desires for bad. Do you know that uh, the, the word desire in Hebrew and in Greek doesn't speak of something negative or positive? It can be either positive or negative. 
It can be bad fires, bad desires like coveting, deceit, envy, jealousy, pride, hatred. It's within the heart that such evil emerges. That's what Jesus taught. It's not what we eat as the Pharisees believed. It's what we allow, what fires we allow to go unbridled and unchecked in our heart. But there are some good fires, good desires as well. Joy and love and happiness and kindness and compassion and generosity. It's what the Puritans called affections. It's the beautiful aspect of the blazing ring of fire within us. Where did it all start? Where did we all go wrong? It started in the garden when Eve saw the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes. Remember, and the tree was to be desired. It's the desire within us, that blazing fire that will either lead to ruin or blessing. It's the ring of fire. If our desires are wrong, you remember the story of Achan. Jericho had been conquered. What a story it was. Its formidable walls had fallen. Israel was victorious and a skirmish rose arose amongst some of the Canaanites and Israel was routed and Joshua cried out to God, said, Lord, what happened? I mean, you just gave us victory over this massive walled city and now a little skirmish here at Ai. And what is going on here? And God tells him somebody has taken a devoted thing, something that had been given to God. You see, first things belong to God. And when we consume the first things, devoted things become accursed things. The first day of the week is the Lord's day. First fruits of our earnings, the tithes, is the Lord's portion. The firstborn in scripture belong to the Lord. First things belong to God. Jericho was the first city to fall in the quest of the promised land. Everything within Jericho was devoted. It was to be set apart to God as a First fruits offering, it was God's, it belonged to God. But someone had taken a devoted thing and it become a cursed thing and it caused Israel to lose a war. Yeah, Joshua used his sleuthing skills until it came down to the tent of Achan. And do you remember what Achan said? Achan said this, he said, I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from China or 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I saw them. I desired them. I took them. And that's the pattern. I saw, I desired, I took. Because the gateway of every human heart is your eye, what you see and what sets your soul on fire. I saw them, I desired them, I took them, I buried them in the dirt beneath my tent. In other words, nothing we see would affect us unless there was a desire within us. Oh, Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. Meaning that there is no temptation Satan can bring me that strikes a chord in my heart. That's what Jesus said. He has nothing in me. There's no, there's no beach hole. There's no blazing ember. There's no fire that has been banked. Uh, there's no temptation that he brings to me that corresponds with the fire. Let, let me just make it play. Let's make it play. You ready? Okay. I'm going to make it real play. I, I like grocery stores. I like them. I, 
I worked in my earliest job. I sacked groceries when I was 14, 15 years of age and started stocking groceries when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, even did it during college a little while. I love grocery stores. I love going into grocery stores. I love them. I just love them. Uh, But let me just say, if I was going down the produce aisle and I saw a turnip, I don't care how clean that turnip was, how big and beautiful that turnip was. There is nothing in me that desires that old nasty turnip. I'm suspicious of people that like turnips. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to every one of you turnip lovers out there. I don't like turnips, so turnips are not a temptation to me. But, oh, if I went down the frozen food aisle and I saw a quart of Haagen-Dazs chocolate or a gallon of Bluebell homemade vanilla, now that strikes a chord on the inside of me. There is a desire. I can look, I can desire, and everything in me wants to reach in that frozen food case and take out that Haagen-Dazs and say, you are mine, because within me, There is a raging fire, a burning desire, what the Puritans called affections. In the Old Testament, there's two primary words for desires. New Testament, there's one primary word in the Greek, epithemia. In Galatians 5, you read of the desire of the flesh. The flesh has desires, but you read the same word, the desire of the spirit that the fleshly desires are at war with the spiritual desires. That's what J.C. Roth said. Every Christian heart is a field occupied by two rival camps. There is a fiery desire for the world and there is a fiery desire for God. And whoever we give our heart to, whatever flame we allow to burn is the one that's going to succeed. Or as Augustine said, our bad affections will eventually become our own afflictions. Uh, We will be burned by the fires or blessed and warmed by the fires we allow to burn within us. What, What fires are we burning? We can't trust these emotional fires. I I remember God rebuked uh, Samuel for mourning for Saul. He rebuked the Corinthians for not mourning for their own immorality. We can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our emotions. We can't trust our desires. They cannot be trusted. There is just a fire running rampant within us. Then what's the cure? The cure is Jesus Christ, the great high priest. John saw him in Revelation 2 and 3 encircled by fire. You see, Jesus is at home in that blazing ring of fire. Who can know the heart? Who can trust the heart? Only one tries the reins of the heart. Only one knows the fire on the inside of us. The great heavenly high priest stands in that blazing ring of fire, interceding for you and me. He interceded for us and intercepted us at Calvary. He endured the fires of affliction that our affections may be released. He now intercedes for us in the heavenly realm. And as a priest in the Old Testament, so much more, he sprinkles our hearts clean. He gives us new desires new affections, 
a new blazing spirit on the inside of us. Years ago, I started reading the classics. Oh my, it's not for the faint of heart. The next on my list, and I reached up in the bookshelf then, and it was this gigantic book called, but written by Victor Hugo called Le Miserable. I looked at the size of the book. I just finished Tolstoy's War and Peace, and everything inside of me just wanted to put that book back on the shelf and get a Tom Clancy book, a John Grisham book. Fooey, I would have been happy with a comic book. And uh, I didn't want to read Hugo, and but I did. And I'm so glad I did. It's called The Most Christian Fiction Ever Written. And you probably know that it traces the life of a former criminal named Jean Valjean who found grace. His nemesis, Inspector Javert, was quite literally a picture of the law. And it's a war between Old Covenant, New Covenant, law, grace, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. Grace wins in the story. And can I just say, well, I just feel like saying to somebody in a pandemic world right now, Team Jesus is going to win in this thing. We're going to win, folks. We're going to win. Grace is going to win. Love never fails. We're going to triumph over this. We're going to we're going to scale above this season that we're living in. We're going to get through it. So Nesta and Trenton and Jacqueline and and Yolanda, we're going to make it through this season. We're going to find victory on the other side. But in the story, Jean Valjean lay dying and they asked him, they said, do you need a priest? And he points his hand to heaven and says, I already have one. All the good he had done was not enough. It was not enough to assuage the raging desires in his heart. Not enough for his kindness to Fontaine or his adopted daughter, Cosette. His alms, his gift of mercy, his acts of kindness, they were not enough. He needed somebody who was at home in a ring of blazing fire. He needed somebody beyond this world, a priest who was in touch with the feelings of our infirmities. He needed the Lord Jesus Christ to calm the raging fire. If you looked over your shoulder right now, it's not the hounds of hell nipping at your heels. It's the hound of heaven. The one who said with desire, with great desire, with passion, a desire to share a meal of communion with you. The one who came looking for you. Francis Thomas wrote a classic poem called The Hound of Heaven. He said, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter of vistaed hopes I sped and shot precipitate down titanic glooms of chasmic fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after. There is one looking for you. He seeks you. He sees the fires of desires in your heart, and he can help you with those. He can cool the wrong fires. He can extinguish the wrong desires, and he can let loose the fires of his presence and his spirit that will guide you and lead you into life everlasting. One day soon, we will stand 
before our God who is the consuming fire. And we're going to recognize that the fire we see is the fire of affection he put in our hearts a long time ago. And may that fire burn inside of you. Would you stir up the gift that is on the inside of you and permit God to set you on fire and make you ablaze because a dark, dark world is waiting on that fire from the church of the living God. As we exit this devotion today, would you please, would you please share it with someone? Would you please follow the page? But most importantly, would you please pray with the needs that are out to the side? We've got great needs today. Our own brother, Larry Williamson, is bearing his grandson, Evan Bath, in Milwaukee today. And our own brother, Brian McLean, they're in Milwaukee grieving the loss of a great missionary, Sister Darla McLean. So many needs in our church family and in this devotion family. Would you leave your prayer request out to the side? Leave a victory report and let's circle around and let's see. God do amazing things in these last days. So thank you for being a part of it. The Lord willing and the storm don't get us. I'll be seeing you again for the rest of the week. God bless. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.